0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. If you uh, don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardback ESV somewhere near you. If you need a Bible, that's our gift to you. and um, You feel free to take that with you today. Luke chapter 2, as we look at Advent, we look at the the thought of peace, uh, we, we kind of get into more of a familiar Christmas story than, than the text that we were in last week. Uh, and it's that time of year, isn't it? It's that time of year where the Christmas season is upon us, the shopping has started. Yes, that's exactly how I feel about it. I mean, just, it's awful. Maybe you've reached that point where you're now having to figure out how to get all the Christmas parties in line. Maybe you have work parties. Maybe you have extended family parties. And, and there's two types of people at these parties when you get there. There's the gamers and the grumblers, right? There's always the person in the, in the group that's like, we're playing a game. It's going to be fun. And then you got the people over in the corner going, ah, oh, game, are you serious? We have to play another game. And so we all have to play this game. And, and we, we got this game at Thanksgiving and it was the worst. Game I have ever seen in my entire life. It was this little tiny box of cards, and the the top of the box says "Less small talk, more real conversations." That's awful, right? Like all of a sudden you're stuck in there. We're gonna play this game, and you pull out a card, and it's like, "Tell us your worst mistake you've ever made." I what? this is not fun. Like, there's no part of this. This is fun. So we pulled out one card and it said, can you, like, what is one moment in life that you would want to relive? And I was like, not this one, right? Like that, not, this is not, this is not it. So we went around and I eventually escaped into the kitchen to get away from the game. Uh, But as we get into this story, we get into this thought of Advent. And the word Advent really means the coming or the arrival of Jesus. And as we read about the shepherds, I guarantee that if they drew a card and it said, tell me one moment that you would want to relive, it's this moment. It's the moment where the angels show up and declare the good news to them. And they say, let's go. Let's go see what God has declared to us. And they went and they saw the very face of Jesus, the very face of God. What a great moment to remember, right? So this is probably what they would have said. They, they want to remember this. And if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, we're going to get started in verse 8. The story of Christmas is this. There is no peace apart from the presence of Jesus. There is absolutely no peace apart from the presence of Jesus. Let me pray for us as we jump into our points this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the peace we have through Jesus Christ. As we've already celebrated this morning, your, your death and resurrection as we took communion. God, we remember the sacrifice you made. You were born to be a sacrifice. You were born to be the Lamb of God. Father, we thank you for the peace that we have with you. God, lead us and guide us into all truth this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. First thing I want you to see this morning is Jesus is the presence of God's glory. Jesus is the very presence of God's glory. As we look at this, the angels appear in the glory of the Lord, and they declare glory to God. The glory of God has come to earth. A.W. Tozer says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. So I, when I talk to you about this Christmas season, I talk to you about the birth of a Savior, the birth of Jesus Christ, what's the, what's the thing that pops in your mind? What do you think about? Maybe, maybe you're like the great theologian Ricky Bobby who said, I like Christmas Jesus best, right? Some of you got that, some of you didn't. That's okay. It's okay. Let's just keep going. That was a bomb of a joke. So... Um, There is, don't worry about it. Okay, Um, how you see Jesus determines how you follow Jesus. How you see Jesus will determine how you follow Jesus. And when you see Jesus as the glory of God, it changes everything. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. When you think about Jesus, you think about a Savior and do, you, and do you think about Lord? Glory to God in the highest. The word glory in Hebrew, we've mentioned this before, is kabod, which means weight or abundance. Jonathan Edwards said this, The glory of God is the weight of all that God is. The fullness of his understanding, virtue, and happiness. The fullness of God was in Jesus Christ. The glory of of God. I spent some time studying this week and I got off on this really long tangent of studying about uh, dark matter and what scientists say dark matter is. And so 30 minutes in, I realized I didn't understand what I was reading and I I gave up. Dark matter is this thing that scientists can't really figure out what it is. There's this dark matter that makes up 85% of all the matter in the universe. This matter that you can't see or you can't describe as a non-baryonic in nature and possibly... Is composed of undiscovered subatomic particles, right? You know what I'm saying. Dark matter. Let me put it to you in layman's terms. What holds the universe in place? What holds the planets in their spot? What holds the stars where they are? There's this dark matter, as scientists would say. What's so wonderful about the Bible is the truth of what it says in Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, Paul says this, Jesus, he Think about the glory of God coming to earth, lying in a tiny little manger as a little baby. The glory of God is Jesus Christ on earth. And the angels are declaring it to these shepherds. Listen, glory to God in the highest. There is peace on those whom he has pleased. It is Jesus Christ. He has come to earth. The one who holds all things together that you can't even describe is the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? What do you think of when you think about God? Do you think about its glory? Moses asked to see the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 through 18, it says this. He said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people of the face of this earth. Let me stop right there. Moses is saying, look, you you can give us the promised land, you can give us all the all the things this world can offer, but they are nothing compared to the presence of God. The only thing that makes us distinct is you and your presence with us. We don't want the things of this world. We want your presence. And so he says this, and the Lord said to Moses, "This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Moses asked God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. And God says, I know your name. I know you. God knows those who desire to see him, not just those who desire to be associated with him. See, the people of Israel reached a point, and God was like, Look, I'll just let you go. You can have the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. Like, here you go. No, that's not good enough. We want your presence, we want the glory of the Lord to be with us. We don't want to just be associated, because that's not enough to distinct us from everyone else in this world. We want to be the people of God who have the presence of God. You remember the story in Matthew 7, 23. They come up and they're like, you know, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. We did this in your name. And then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There are many in this world who want to be associated with Jesus, but they don't want to see the glory of Jesus. They don't want to know him intimately, I heard one pastor say this, the most miserable people, miserable people in the world are half-committed Christians who are just enough into God to be miserable in the world and just enough into the world to be miserable with God. What do you think of when you think about the glory of God? Exodus 33, 21 through 22 keeps reading. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Get this there was a place for Moses, hidden in the rock, hidden and covered. It is through Jesus we have our place. Being put into Christ and covered by his blood, we behold the glory of God. Jesus is. Is the presence of God's glory. John 1, 14, and the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his, there it is, glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. As we get into the Christmas season, as we think about Jesus Christ, think about the fact that it is the very presence of God's glory on earth. Exodus 34, 6, the story keeps going. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and and faithfulness. The word merciful here to describe the name of God is raccoon, and it means to be full of compassion and deep love. The glory of God is the revealed compassion and love of God in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. The glory of God. His name. The name Yahweh. The name that's declared as he passes by. Is the same name that Jesus has. Is the same name that is the glory of God. And in Jesus we see the fullness of God's glory in love and compassion. How much does God love the world? He would give his only son. This is a Christmas story, John 14, 9. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus, the presence of Jesus, is the glory of God. Jesus is the presence of peace on earth. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. Glory and peace. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a world that lacks peace. You just simply turn on the news you see political unrest, you see riots, you see wars, you hear of human trafficking, school shootings, murders in our own city, mass shootings, people who lack personal peace, who have overdosed, who are fighting depression, and even suicide. Where's the peace? Jesus is the only source of peace. Apart from Jesus, there is no peace. We see a world that lives apart from Jesus. We see a world that is lost in sin, looking for peace in all the wrong areas, and they never find fulfillment. They're always hungry and searching for more and more. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. Isaiah 6, 9 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The message of the Christmas story is there is peace for those who know Jesus. The thing about the word peace doesn't just mean absence of conflict, but it means a fullness of life. The the Hebrew word shalom has so much more to it than just absence of conflict. The fullness of life, only those who know Jesus know the fullness of life. Only those who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to understand what true peace is. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, 34-39, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And you're thinking, that does sound like Christmas. <laughs> hey, you got, you got one of my jokes. That's good. He goes on and says, And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. People have missed out on the peace of God because they have refused to love Jesus more than they love the things of this world. Even family. If you're always looking for something in this world to fill up the vacant hole in your heart, you'll always be hungry. Jesus is the fullness of life. Blaise Pascal said this, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. There is an empty hole in each and every one of our hearts that can only be filled with Jesus. He is the peace upon those whom he has pleased. St. Augustine the Hippo says our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Jesus is our only peace. And we can't have peace in the fullness of life apart from Jesus. Ephesians, Paul would say it this way, 2, 13 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and one. Jesus Christ is our source of peace because apart from Jesus, there is still hostility. We are still lost in our sin. We are still separated from God. But Jesus Christ, the glory of God, the glory of God in the highest who came to earth, took upon himself the wrath of God so that we could have peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You never know the peace of God apart from the presence of God. These shepherds, you may not know this, but these shepherds were outcast. They were considered unclean. They were considered smelly and dirty. They were ceremonial unclean. They couldn't go and make sacrifices. They were basically excommunicated but these guys were welcomed to come to Jesus that is peace we were outcast alienated from god we were dirty smelly sinners we were unclean and yet we are invited to have peace with god through jesus christ have you found that peace or well, let me ask are you still searching is your heart still going from created thing to created thing coming up empty which makes you frustrated, irritable, angry, and full of conflict. Jesus is, and his presence is, the source of peace. And Jesus is the purpose of every pursuit. I wrestled with how to word this, but every pursuit of man should be for the glory of God. Every pursuit. Your pursuit at work, your pursuit in family, your pursuit in community should all be for the glory of God. 15 through 20 says this. When the angels went away from uh, them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And they, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told to them. These shepherds started a pursuit to see Jesus. The Westminster Catechism says this in a question, What is the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The purpose of our createdness is to glorify God. We were created in the image of God to glorify God. And through Jesus, we have the opportunity to pursue Him. The pursuit of God leads to a life that glorifies God. Look what A.W. Tozer says in his book, The Pursuit of God. Christian theology teaches the doctrine of prevenient grace which briefly stated means this, that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. Before a sinful man can think a right thought of God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him. Imperfect it may be, but a true work nonetheless. And the secret cause of all desiring and seeking and praying which may follow, we pursue God because and only because He has first put an urge within us that spurs us to that pursuit. God sent his one and only son to awaken our hearts to him. This is the story of the shepherds. The shepherds are sitting there just minding their own business, doing their own job, feeling excommunicated and separated from the world. And then the angel shows up and says, let me tell you, there's good news. And the good news caused them to pursue John 6... 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Have you felt God's drawing in your life? Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy. Verse 15, When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Which the lord has made known to us verse 20 and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all they had heard and seen three stages to this story of the shepherds number one they heard the good news number two they responded with pursuit and number three they returned glorifying god think about your own life have you heard the good news have you responded with a pursuit of Jesus Christ? And is your life one that shouts to the glory of God? The shepherds didn't just hear the good news, they pursued the Lord. Unfortunately, many of us settle for hearing the good news of the gospel and then going about our day and our week without ever pursuing the Lord. Why is that? Because the pursuit of the Lord takes effort is directly connected to our ability to glorify God. Pursuit takes a decision. These shepherds could have sat there. They could have talked for hours about what they had just saw. They could have said, "Well, we've got too many sheep here. We need to keep doing our job." They could have went on talking amongst themselves for the rest of their life. Can you believe that night? Can you believe what happened? But they didn't go back to what they were doing before. They made a decision. Let's go. Have you made a decision after hearing the good news that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son? Have you made the decision in your life? I'm going to pursue him. It took discipline. These shepherds were disciplined in their journey. I don't know how far it was, but they had to have complained about the distance of the travel, the inconvenience of it being late at night. They had to have complained about how tired they were but they kept going. Many of us start off strong in our decision to follow the Lord, but we do grow tired and weary. We talk ourselves out of the importance of following after Jesus. We make excuses about being tired, too busy. It's just bad timing. I've got a lot of things going on. Some of us here today need to stop making excuses and start being disciplined in our discipleship. The last one, it takes Desire some of us have lost a desire. Tozer says this, one of the greatest hindrances to internal peace which the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. As these areas are conceived to exist apart from each other and to be morally and spiritually incompatible, and as We are compelled by the necessities of living to be always crossing back and forth from one to the other. Our inner lives tend to break up so that we live a divided instead of a united, unified life. Tozer says this. He says, Many of us lack the desire to pursue God because we've separated God into different sections of our life. We've said, No, God's for Sunday mornings maybe some Wednesday nights, maybe a quiet time in the morning before I start my day. But there is no separation for those who pursue Jesus. Every pursuit of life is found in glorifying God. Every pursuit. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. If you pursue God, you will share the glory of God with others. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God declare the glory of God so that others can experience the peace of God. Let me ask you, have you behold or beheld the glory of God in your life? Have you made a decision? Have you been disciplined in your pursuit? And is it obvious because you are a peacemaker? telling others about Jesus Christ I'm going to close with this verse Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit peace of God The peace of God is in the presence of God. We know that because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is at work in each and every one of us, sanctifying us, as Paul would say, from one degree of glory to another, molding us and making us into the very image of His Son, which is the glory of God. Your life is to be a life lived for the glory of God, from one degree to the next. Is it? Have you found that peace? Maybe today you need to make a decision. Maybe you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe today you need to go back to the decision you made a long time ago and say, you know, what? I grew weary and I grew tired. I need to be more disciplined. And maybe today you need to leave glorifying God so that your family, your friends, your neighbors and your coworkers all week long see who Jesus really is. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons.